You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 72. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. As usual, I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And for our third week of Horror Fest, this week's review, we are reviewing the first 20 issues of Something is Killing the Children by Boom Studios. Dang, 20 issues. Man, and let, let believe us, this is this is your spoiler warning. Uh, all twenty of those issues are about to be ruined for you if you have not read the series. Uh, so you might want to pause this and come back later. But uh, if you have not read something that's killing the children, like I had not read it, it is a fantastic series and it's definitely worth picking up. Are you ready? Versus has returned. It's been a while. Yeah. I know, I know, we haven't done one for quite some time, and uh, I was inspired by the trailer of Scream 5, <laughs> and, uh, and also the return of I Know What You Did Last Summer, which came out this week as a TV show, so I thought with those two properties fresh in everyone's minds, let's have it, Ghostface versus The Fisherman. Now, I have watched the TV series, and I won't say anything yet, I'm not entirely sure we're going to have the same type of killer in the TV series, but I won't say anymore. Um, now, Ghostface obviously is is the outward shell for yeah. a different murderer every movie yeah. so far. Yeah. So far, we've had no uh, repeat murderers. Uh, honestly, it, but even you know, I actually was on YouTube the other day, and um, uh, the guy who plays Stu, even he says, "I'm not dead." <laughs> so he's <laughs> like, "I'm not." He's like, "I've been saying it for years." And then the guy who played Billy, he keeps uh, like uh, the the guy, the lady who was interviewing them said, well, "If they were still alive, what do you think they'd be doing?" And then the guy who played Billy said, "Oh, uh, Stu would be working for Panasonic, being a TV <laughs> t- t- uh, testing TVs, <laughs> falling on it on him." Like, and I was like, "Oh man, man, what career? What career that would be?" Like, <laughs> like um, anyway. So Ghostface on the Instagram where we posted this, the comments were all ghost face i did a poll and they were all ghost face it was a hundred percent ghost face every single where well now, not everybody specified specifically who their ghost face was some people did yeah. some people said billy and stew um but other than that nobody really said anything other than billy and stew now no man that fisherman from the films like from the first two films is freaking psychotic well like- this is the thing like I think if they went, I agree with you. I think if Billy and Stu went up against the fisherman, I don't oh, think they'd hands win. Hands down. The fisherman think... would take them both, like at the same time and not even <laughs> break a sweat. He's a pretty he's pretty strong and pretty badass. And I mean, and I mean, honestly, I remember like I know what he did last summer. When that hook thing went through, you fuck die. Yeah. Honestly, that that was not nice. Like, yeah. that was so I'm, I'm, I know that everybody on Instagram said the ghost face was going to be. The but basically man. what we're saying is we think you're all wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I just I just don't see Billy and Stu beating the fisherman. No. I just can't see it. If we're doing Scream 1 versus I know what you did last summer 1. No, there, there's no way. The fisherman comes out on top, period, hands down. And then if you look at, say, Scream 2 with... um. Billy's mom. No way no. Does, the, does she beat the fisherman. No. The other guy, um, oh, I Mickey. forgot his name now. Mickey, uh, Mickey, uh, the uh, the student friend. Uh-huh. 
I'm not convinced about that either. No. I'm um, not getting on board with that. Um, then in Scream 4, we've got Sydney's half-brother, TV producer. Three. Um, Scream 3, yeah, Scream 3. Uh, we've got the TV producer, the guy who's in charge of stuff. He might stand a chance. Maybe. Mm. I think he might last longer than any other ghost face, but I still yeah. think Fisherman comes out on top. And then with Scream 4, we've got Sydney's cousin. Like she's like seventeen. Yeah, uh, and she's tiny. And, and also, like, and al- yeah, and also her her weird geeky mate who is also small. Pu- yeah, all, he's punier than her. Yeah, like, I, I I personally think the fisherman would take them all down. Yes. Now, if they all teamed up, maybe not. Well, I, 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 yeah. Also, if we're going just on like, uh, sort of presence alone yeah ghostface has a much bigger presence than the fisherman but i think the fisherman is way scarier like way scarier than ghostface i think he is i think the fisherman is so and having watched the first two or three episodes of the tv series i know what you did last summer now i have got no clue where they're going in terms of sort of the killer but, I mean, it's flipping gruesome like, already. <laughs> That's Two what we want in died. our slasher flicks, though. That's exactly yeah. what we want. So, anyway, I won't say any more about TV series. We haven't got time today because we've got a crap load of stuff to cover. Um, I went trying to calm down those swear words. I went to swear a few <laughs> more times then. So, <laughs> and I'm going to try and keep the swearing to a minimum as I talk about our first story. And I'm not talking about swearing because of the story. More because of what happened. Some of the repercussions of the story. Yes. So Superman. Now, when I talk about Superman, talking about Superman's son. So Jonathan Kent. He he he's only been around for about five ish years as a character. Now, uh, originally we got to meet him as like a little boy, and then he gets sent off as DC as as comics do, and then he comes back aged at like seventeen. Now uh, he's got his own series now, written by Tom Taylor. Uh, I think issue three came out the other day and issue five is due out in November. There's been a big announcement, uh, which was on national coming out day that Jonathan Kent is going to come out as bisexual. Um, there's been a huge amount of support around that. A lot of people like really touched by it. Um, now in comic book world, there's a lot of, um, either gay or bisexual characters in, in, um, in the comic world. I would say probably the biggest one before Superman was uh, uh, Robin came out fairly recently as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Now he's quite a big character. Now the other characters that are gay or bisexual from memory, Iceman came out from the X-Men, mm-hmm. I want to say like four or five years ago. Um, now, other than that, I personally We've also struggle. got Poison Ivy and Harley. Yeah. I, well, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. No, but I was going to say, well, no, yeah, they, they, they are sorry they are um gay as well but or well harley's obviously bisexual with mm-hmm. obviously she was with the joker and now poison ivy but i outside of those characters i i personally struggle to think now i know there are others marvel and dc have but the reason i say that is because superman has got to be the biggest character in terms of now something like something like this mm-hmm. which i think is really good in terms of like highlighting and also giving people you know, if I was gay or bisexual, which I'm not, but if I was, like, I would think this is brilliant now. This is like a, a massive brand character mm-hmm. that that's actually like me. Like, and you got to think, you know, if you're a 17 year old and 
you suddenly see somebody with the Superman logo is is coming out. That's got to be massive to you, like in terms of making you feel more accepted. Surely, like you know, this is and I know Tom Taylor. I saw his interview um, with some American news uh, channel, and and he was talking about how he's had such people coming to him, like so thankful for for what you know for the story. Like, and you can imagine how you'd i'm trying to you know imagine from a straight man's point of view how somebody who isn't straight would feel mm-hmm. to see see someone as big as superman becoming coming out basically like, well but there uh, is a whole episode in the first season of uh batwoman where um kate kane's influence and kate kane coming out and saying like batwoman is gay like yeah I remember that, that that was a big deal. and there was a whole episode with the with the kid that was in high school the girl that was like you know, I thought that all superheroes were kind of lame and stupid. And then I realized that you're like me. Uh, mm. And then like, I can do great things because, you know, and I was like, that's, that's a really cool episode. That's, that's yeah. a cool way to kind I of should, do that. I remember that. Yeah. I should have, yeah. sorry. When I said I couldn't, I was struggling to think of others. Well, you were thinking one. comics. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously she's gay in the comics as well, but like, um, uh, I think just Superman is just probably one of the biggest superheroes going. You yeah. Know, the I, world over. I, yeah. Whenever I think about the who are the three biggest heroes, I always think Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Those are the three, in my mind, the three biggest superhero names. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know you've got a couple of others like Wolverine or something, but those three are the things that kids seem to really relate to is Batman, relate to is not the right word, but Batman, Superman, Spider-Man Identify, are the yeah. three characters that they people want to be. They want to be Batman. They want to be Spider-Man. They want to be Superman. And then having Superman's son, Jonathan Kent, actually come out as bisexual you got to think there's some people out there that are like must be like so emotionally, uh, you know, over, over the, over the, you know, over the moon. So sort of yeah. like, you know, well, it's one of those they... things. It's like, it's, it's, it's always been around. It's just not always been talked about. And yeah. now we're at a point, you know, it's 2021. People are more open with more open and honest with just themselves. And so now just because people are more open and honest, doesn't mean that everybody else is, equally as accepting to that honesty. Um, And so then of course you get the same things that always come up when this sort of thing is announced. And it's like, you've got people that are like, oh, this is stupid. I'm never gonna buy a DC book ever again. As if the fact that John Kent is now gay or bisexual, like that changes his entire character. Like he is no longer you know, he can't do any of the things that you enjoyed about the book prior to realizing that he was bisexual. Like, get out of here. Well, do you know what? Like, some of the comments I read were, you know, about pandering and, and like DC's pandering and that they should create new characters rather than changing existing characters. Now, they use that same argument with Robin and Tim Drake, who has now come out as bisexual, and Tim Drake's been around for a long time, 20 plus years as a character. So they're like, you know, don't change characters, etc. Now, this character of Jonathan Kent's been around five years and I've been reading him pretty much the whole time he's been in print. Um, and he is a new character. As far as I'm aware, Jonathan Kent in the comics has never had a boyfriend or girlfriend. Like right. I, from memory now. I'm, but also he's been a kid this whole time. Like ever since they introduced I mean. him, he's been very young. He's at the point now where he's at upper teenage years. Like he's he's older, but he is still not like a 39-year-old man that they've just decided, oh, you know what? Finally, this this 39-year-old is coming out as queer. Yeah. 
it's like, no, I mean, 17 or 18 is probably about the right time when someone would announce like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, like, uh, you know, I'm by like, it, well, well, they're not going to say that when they're like four. Also, not everybody feels comfortable coming out like there, yeah. there are people for a variety of reasons that make it into their 50s, 60s and 70s and, and never come out or mm-hmm. suddenly come out like 50 years old, suddenly go, do you know, what? I, I can't do it anymore or or now I finally feel happy to come out or whatever the reasons behind it or behind their thoughts and, and uh, motivations are people come out when they're ready to come out yeah. and Jonathan Kent, he's ready to come out. And like you said, most of the time in the last five years, he's been a kid. And then mm-hmm. he's obviously they, DC done the magic wand and made him older. And, and he's still just a kid, really 17 is still a kid, but you know, he's, he's a consenting, you know, he's of the age of consent. Like, um, well, in the UK, sixteen is the age of consent. Like, I don't know what I don't know what it is in in 18. America. Oh, it's eighteen. Okay, yeah. in, in 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 England, sixteen is the age of consent. Um, either way, though, they're only two years apart. So, um, based of the age where you kind of are aware or starting to become aware of your feelings, and um, right, so, or that you can yeah. at least articulate your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, anyway, there's obviously like we just said, there's a lot of support. But what I find crazy is the the um, sheer volume of people that get enraged and upset by this, including including former Superman Dean Kane. Uh, okay, who... but first of all, Dean Kane is just a raging idiot. Like he has fallen off of whatever pedestal anyone had him on when he was Superman a long time ago. Like he just keeps he continues to make an ass of himself. Which, which I, which I, I, I used to love that show with um, Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane. I honestly, that was, I think it was on a Saturday night over here. I used to always watch it. Literally, I used to love that Superman show. It was like one of my favorite shows. I, honestly, it was just like just real childhood memory. And I feel like, why does he keep having to trash my childhood memory by being a bit of a doofus? Like you know, like again, I'm trying to not use swear words. Um, so I could use far worse words. Anyway, I, I see him again jumping on the bandwagon. And I'm like, not being funny. No one cares about Dean Kane anymore. Go, like, dude. like yeah. no one cares about your opinion. No one cares about your backward ways. Like just. Or your career. God, yeah. Like mm. you're not doing yourself any favors. Well, that's what, that's what I, I said that to my wife going like, I don't know why Dean Kane's doing this. He's not like building bridges here. Nope. Like <laughs> he's going the other way now. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's hoping to get a role in the Donald Trump administration for when they next go to term. But that's kind of like, the, that's kind of when I was hearing him the other day, I was like, man, I bet you any money Donald Trump is like all over this. So. Yeah. Also, uh, though, like we don't we don't tolerate those kinds of comments on our stuff either. Like uh, that, that was a big issue this week, too. Yeah, so I, so it's the first time. Yeah, it was the first time ever on Instagram that I had to turn the comments off. They so when I posted <clears throat> being supportive of Tom Taylor and his story with Jonathan Ken and especially on National Coming Out Day, um, it's the first time I've ever had to turn comments off on a post. I never experienced the sheer volume of hatred and homophobic comments that we we had on on our post and i honestly just couldn't believe it i was like literally they were coming in thick and fast i mean the first couple i was like really like questioning like where did these come from like Mm -hmm. and i was like 
do I respond? Like, I was a bit mm-hmm. like, what do I do? Because I've never had this, for, I, I never had them. But then when they were literally coming in, like every 10 seconds, I was getting someone like hit our page. In the end, I was like, do you know what? I, I'm just blocking all of you and I'm turning the comments off. I was like, if you can't be supportive, like, I remember that whole thing. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. Yes. Like, and, like there's um, no reason and- for you to go to someone else's page and just start trashing a character that's just it's yeah. unacceptable if that's what you want to do go talk to your little backward group in your own little private sanctuary or whatever hmm. so anyway we stand by tom taylor and we stand by anybody whether they've come out or not come out and if you want to come out come out if you're not ready don't worry about it come out when you're ready to come out just be so. you mm-hmm. and you know what I spoke to my comic book shop today and he said the pre-orders for issue five of Superman, the son of Kal-El, he said literally more and more people are hitting him up. So I don't know who these people are, whether they were fans of Jonathan or sorry, fans of uh, Superman and now they suddenly gained more interest or whether it's just people that are, are supportive of what Tom Taylor's doing with his character. Who knows? Um, I hope it's not flippers, but I know there'll be an element of flippers in there, like oh, wanting course. to get like wanting to get get some of these issues so they can buy it for two, three quid and then flip it for 15 quid on the same day. But those flippers are always going to be there. Um the reason I know this is because I asked if I could have every variant, like standard mm-hmm. priced variant, priced variants, only because I loved all the colors. I was like, I, I rarely do it, but I was like, do you know what? I'm I want to get all the covers. So anyway, I'm gonna get off my soapbox about this. Uh, actually, no, one last point I want to say before we move on. If you are homophobic, racist, or any kind of phobic at all, look, dude, go unsubscribe, unfollow. Yep. We're not down with all that stuff. Nope. So look, you, you know, um, there's pages elsewhere for your homophobic comments yes. I'm sure. and and while um, we love to do what we do we are not here to educate the ignorant at this um, day and age if you are still like that you are willfully ignorant i was what i was gonna say though is like if you if this has made you become aware that you're ignorant like like good like go educate yourself mm-hmm. but like but don't in the meantime write things you shouldn't write so yeah in summary i'm looking forward to reading issue five and i don't really care whether jonathan kent's gay straight bisexual or an alien which he half is yeah i'm looking forward to a good story which is supportive of a young man and his choices yes a young man coming of age that Mm -hmm. entails a lot of things yeah uh, so anyway, uh, let's move on to from now on. It's just DC fandom. So <laughs> this, is, this is literally like a one line story. But Jim Lee has announced that Superman is changing his motto. Um, so his previous motto from literally all the way back to the 1950s, which actually started in a TV series in the 1950s and then slowly got integrated into other things. Uh, his motto was truth, justice in the American way, which personally as a British man, I've never been on board with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is now changing to truth, justice and a better tomorrow. So I know, again, you're probably going to get some people that are going to get a bit upset by that comment, probably mainly Americans, but I like the new comment. I like the new motto, sorry. I'm, I quite like it. So. Yeah, I, it, it's far it's more inclusive. Yes. It's far more inclusive. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think, because, I mean, if you think about 
how many people come to America that are not American? Like, you know, so including aliens from outer space. Exactly. I mean, go watch, go watch Supergirl. Like, they had a whole immigration problem, and it was just mainly aliens. So, <laughs> um, so, um, but I actually like that. I, I actually think, and you know what? If you took away the whole Superman thing, truth, justice, and a bear tomorrow, that's what a lot of young people want. And when you see them talking about things like climate change in the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that young people are very much aware of. That well, it's something that young people are going to have to deal with. They're going to have to deal with the the problems created by mm-hmm. older people. So yep. that won't be around. They'll be long gone. Yeah. So. What do they care? What are they? <laughs> Who cares? Like, so, uh, anyway, renewals. So we don't watch all of these. Uh, however, I've never watched any of this, but Pennyworth has been renewed for season three and will now be on HBO Max. I'd like to watch Pennyworth at some point. Have you ever watched it? No, but it does look entertaining. I know. I think it looks good. Maybe one day. Let's just let's put it down. Put it down now to, to watch this or something. Uh, <laughs> Titans has been renewed for season four. Uh, I have done season one and two. I will watch season three probably when it's finished. Um, you haven't watched any of Titans, have you? Mm-mm. No Titans and no Doom Patrol either. Yeah, I, I couldn't get into Doom Patrol. Um, I want to. I want to, but I don't know. Anyway, Doom Patrol has been renewed for season four. Uh, obviously now all on HBO Max um, or outside of it is yeah. it is DC's uh, personal streaming service. So outside of the confused. outside of the US, uh, Titans is on Netflix. I do not know where Doom Patrol is because I've not ever watched it, but maybe Amazon over here. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, so one other thing that they announced at Fandom was Milestone. Milestone, we've got an animated film on the way from uh, writer Brandon Thomas, and it's going to have quite a few Milestone characters. Mainly, we're going to have Static Shock, Icon, and Hardware. Um, so that's going to be really cool to have. I, you know, I'm kind of excited to have Static back. Like, that was a really, really fun cartoon back in the so that, that, late 90s. I think in fandom, uh, a DC's fandom last year, they announced that Static Shock was going to get his own live mm-hmm. action sh- uh, film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where they've got with that now. But it's pretty cool to see that they are still pushing forward with the Milestone characters. We know that they've had uh, the Milestone a lot of them, sorry, Static Shock, Icon, and Hardware have all had their own miniseries coming out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, there's a live-action film. But it's great to see that DC are pushing forward with the animated film. Yeah. Animated. And um, they, they're also going to have a milestone initiative. So that is going to sort of be there to better serve the Black community and other underrepresented communities as far as, like, comic book creators. Uh, it's going to be in partnership with Ally Bank. So within the uh, Milestone Initiative, they also kind of put out this whole mission statement thing that basically kind of just boils down to, hey, if you're looking for any kind of sustainable career uh, in a competitive industry, we'll see, you you know, if memory recalls, they did Milestone Dirty before. So, Um, but it looks like they're trying to kind of right the ship as far as being more diverse and inclusive. So hopefully this this will be a good way to get more stories told to or to kind of give creators the access to tell their own stories, which has been a pretty big problem in in a lot of different places. So kudos to them. I would actually love to see that get up and running and see what that looks like in another two years. I I look forward to seeing the animated movie from Milestone, and I also hope that DC 
stand by this mission statement uh, for their milestone initiative. So I would like to see, it's all very well making these statements. Yeah. But I, I want to see the result as well. Yeah. So. And uh, you guys ever going to apologize to Ray Fisher? Are we going to do that? Is that a thing that's going to happen? Oh, maybe that's part of the milestone initiative. <laughs> oh, I doubt I doubt that's ever going to yeah. happen. So <laughs> um, anyway, so traders, there's loads of traders. So I'm sure there's more to come that will happen after this episode, but we're obviously recording it, you know, as of the 17th. It'll be out on the 17th. And I'm sure more stuff will come out as we're recording. But anyway, what's happened so far? We had a full trailer finally for the Batman. We had a trade, a full trailer for Peacemaker, a tiny little snippet for Naomi, an even tinier snippet for Flashpoint, an even tinier <laughs> snippet snippet for Black Adam. I'm seeing a pattern uh, here. <laughs> yeah. However, we had a really long trailer for Batwoman. So we'll just quickly run through our opinions of what we did watch. I didn't watch Black Adam, but I watched it others. Um, so the Batman is pretty much similar tone of what we've already had in the sort of tease that they've been showing us for like the last two years mm-hmm. um did you watch the full batman trailer nope I, I watched it all it's very similar to what we've already seen i'll be honest with you it it looks amazing i just want them to get on with it anyway march 2022 i i'll definitely be there opening night i'm my hands down want to go i actually think robert patterson is going to be amazing in it let's be honest he is vengeance so okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said i'm not ready to concede that yet uh, but okay I'm, I think I'm, he's I'm going to be good. It. I think he'll be good. Like, I'm honestly, keeping an do. open mind. So, I think he'll be better, better than Ben Affleck. I'm telling you. So, <laughs> um, I think Michael Keaton will be better than Ben Affleck. So oh, I'll hold already Keaton yours. is OG. Well, <laughs> my apologies to Adam West, but uh, Michael Keaton is my OG Batman. Oh, OG film film guy. Yeah. Well, so anyway, Peacemaker came out. Did you watch it? Of course. It's so funny. Okay, I have been dying to ask you what you thought about it. I know because I know, I know you and John Cena. No, so like, I I thought he was good in Suicide Squad. I said to you, it was something else I saw him in. Oh yeah, the Fast Fast, Furious movie. Yeah, yeah, Fast Night. He was awful in Fast Night. Fast Night was funny as Peacemaker. Oh Oh, my god. In Suicide Squad, he was hilarious. I said, yeah. yeah, I said this in our review. So when we when the Peacemaker thing comes out, like honestly, it's just gonna be so good. But it's gonna be <laughs> annoying. It's gonna be annoying because they clearly release it like weekly or something. So oh, no. Well, see, uh, my thing was like when when we did our Suicide Squad review, uh, I had said, like, I think it's weird that you have already greenlit a show with a character that you don't even know if audiences are going to sort of like. And turns out I ate those words because Peacemaker was actually really, really hilarious in the film. And this, oh, whatever the hell they have put together for this series just looks insane. It looks like so much fun. I know. I mean, there's there's really no other way to describe it. It just looks fun. John Cena, I I watched that. Oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. I watched it recently. The Holiday. Oh, uh, yeah. Vacation Friends, Vacation yeah. Friends, there you go. I watched Vacation Friends. We haven't done it on the podcast. Um, honestly, I, I remember I said to you, I can't remember if I messaged you or I spoke to you about it, but I was like, he was flipping hilarious in Vacation Friends. I was like, this is <laughs> actually a real... Do you know what? He can do comedy. He should stay away from anything Yeah, no, serious. he's not serious like, at all. Like, and that's where he... That's, my first experience of him in anything was Fast 9, and I was like, this guy is 
awful. No, he's but, funny. He is funny. So, but I, I think I'd had this outward impression that John Cena would just be terrible at everything. Nah. Um, but having, I only. I only watched him because I wanted to watch Suicide Squad. Yeah. And then I was like, actually, <laughs> I was like, so I kind of was forced to watch John Cena. Having watched Suicide Squad, I'm like, yeah, he's all right. Like, yeah. And actually, he's quite witty. And then this trailer for Peacemaker, so good. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. So It is a Naomi, lot more of the same of the stuff that we got in the Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Naomi, with tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Tiny. I mean, barely what enough to do anything. What do you think of what you saw? I don't know what I saw. Like I saw a girl run out of class to go and take pictures of Superman and she didn't make it. And she fell over or yeah. collapsed. Or I don't know what yeah. happens from there. Well, I've read the mini uh, series of uh, Naomi, which is six issues written by uh, Brian Mark Bendis. And the mini series is brilliant. But that came out like three years ago now. We've never seen it. I mean, I know he's put Naomi in Justice League, which I don't read. Um, anyway, so you know how you had Jessica Jones really strong season one, and this is the trouble where uh, Michael Bendis had written hardly anything of Jessica Jones, like 28 issues, I think, by the time that show got came out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and like, I feel like what worries me about Naomi is that we only got six issues. <laughs> what are they gonna do? <laughs> like, I, I really, I really hope it's like a real short show, like six, six issues, six episodes, and then. Hopefully they can go and get Bendis to go and write some more stuff rather than them just. Well, uh, but they don't always own. have to do it that way. I mean, there's been a couple of times where they have brought characters from original characters from TV into the comics, like Harley Quinn. I mean, if it weren't for Batman, the animated series, Harley Quinn would never exist in a comic. So yeah, it's possible. It's possible for them to take a running start and then just kind of do their own thing. So fingers crossed. Okay. Well, I hope the creators are strong enough to go and build their own world yeah. without the fact that there's hardly any content for them to write this. And then, so anyway, that tiny short snippet, again, like you just said, there's not much for us to pin our hopes mm-hmm. on here, but it is okay. Like, yeah. I can't say any more than that. It's just okay. Like, I'll you tune know, in. Tiny, tiny. Oh, yeah, I'll tune in. I'll watch the first episode. Um, Let's hope the CW don't cock it up. Anyway, Flashpoint. Now that was a trailer. Like, was, I mean, I know it was a teaser. Oh, less than oh, a I minute. Know, oh, oh, I know, but I was so like oh, less than a minute. But it opens with OG Batman, Michael Keaton's voiceover. Like, but Ben I Affleck guess. must be stewing. Like, so it's his own fault. Yeah, he should have just chilled. Like, so anyway, but that's again, Michael Keaton is such a chilled guy. Like, whenever you see him get interviewed, he's a chilled guy. Let's be honest, he's probably done some bombs himself, but he rolls with it. Like, you know, not everything's a smash. You know, like when, you know, if you look at TV, some things get cancelled, some things run for eight years. You know, you, you never know what you're going to get. And it's the same with movies, you just never know. So, Michael Keaton, <clears throat> I can't think of any bombs that he's done i've got to be honest um but <laughs> he's like, good in everything he is also really good in need for speed and i will uh, not hear any need for speed slander i love that film. No, no i love that movie too i thought that was a really good film i liked need for speed so um i i, I love multiplicity so multiplicity you know. was good so but anyway og michael keaton voiceover over a weird trailer showing yeah. a bit here and there and the, kind of the flash suit looks good too Looks real good. Uh, what I was going to say was, though, when it ends, we've got two Ezra Millers, which is cool. Um, and then 
that's obviously not twin, you know. Um, and we've also got Supergirl. So I was like, dun, dun, oh. And then all you see is the back of OG Batman. I assume it's the Michael Keaton Batman. Um, and but, the shape of the OG Batmobile. How exciting oh, yeah. for that to come they, back. They don't show you. They just they don't show, show like, it. But it looks, yeah. the silhouette looks very familiar from 1989. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Black Adam. I didn't watch this, um, but you did. It is less than a teaser it is literally Dwayne Johnson dropping into this room that is very very reminiscent of the room that we find Shazam in at the very beginning of Shazam um and he gets attacked by some soldiers and the soldiers don't quite fare so well against Black Adam that's it that's all we get a lot of the other stuff that they showed was still concept art um yeah so they didn't show anything else uh, I would really be interested to see them show us some more of the other characters because I am super, super excited about Aldous Hodge being Hawkman. Oh, and Pierce Brosnan being uh, yeah, Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, so I did watch the beginning bit of uh, the Black Adam thing. And I loved the, the fact that Pierce Brosnan was like the main narrator at the beginning. So, um, Batwoman trailer drops for season three. I actually never got around to watching season two in the end of Batwoman. Uh, no, I actually, that's the lie. I watched the first three episodes and then it, it is on my, I, I promise you I will go back and watch season two because I actually do want to know all the stuff that happened and I'm excited about Batwing and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the trailer came out and it's very 1960s, Adam West inspired, you know, kind of theme that they're going with. I don't really know if that's going to be the actual feel for the show but that was definitely that was definitely the feel for the trainer uh and they were very sort of campy with the trainer and like you know bat Matt, batwoman and alice you know kind of uh logo comes up and it's very humorous so the trailer yeah. basically shows that alice joins team batwoman yeah uh which is bizarre really by itself like- but Alice is seriously like the best character in the entire series. So any excuse for more Alice on screen is fine by me. I was watching something the other day and my daughter said to me, like, why are they trusting the bad guy? And I was like, this happens all the time. (laughs) I was like, good guy has a bad guy. They fight for a season or two. Then what happens is obviously they know the audience is getting bored of fighting villain villain a so then villain a then has to team up with hero a to defeat villain b and they're like and she's like why i went well they're not friends it's just that their their values are now aligned for a temporary period of time and villain a will probably become their villain their main villain again but you know this all this stuff happens so but i think it's gotten better though with they with them removing kate kane and that whole sister link like yeah. the just the interaction between everyone else and and Alice has gotten so much better because there is that there there's no longer that family tie, um, mm. which which started to just drag on uh, as the first season progressed. So it it just looks more entertaining. It looks like it's a little bit lighter. It looks like people are actually like you can actually see the chemistry between the characters a little bit better um so i it it looked pretty good to me like it it actually made me want to and especially now that you know batwing is is a thing like it really made me kind of want to come up and and catch up and take a look at that do you think you'll actually go back and watch season two of Batman? i don't know man it's 22 episodes like that's so much or is it 16 mm, i don't know 
It's, it's got to be around lot. 20. got to be around 20. That's a lot. I mean, you say that, though, but sometimes I think these shows can be like, if you're, you know, if you're not pressurized to watch something, like I, <laughs> I, I stopped um, watching all the procedural shows. I Because I do watch some procedural shows, but I stopped watching them about a year ago because I was just so fed up of how, uh, everyone's got different thoughts on this, but I honestly did not want to watch stuff that was had COVID in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm living in a world with COVID. So why do I want to sit down in my own personal chill out time to watch COVID in my entertainment? I was like, I'm meant to sit here and be entertained to be distracted from reality. I yeah. do not want to sit here and watch bloody COVID in my, in my entertainment. Yeah. So I stopped watching a lot of them because I was getting so fed up with it. And um, anyway, so because I felt like, things have calmed down a little bit um I actually went back over the last couple of weeks and I've been watching I've watched like 20 episodes of Chicago PD <laughs> like um I love Chicago PD it is the best of all the Chicago's um and yes okay 20 episodes sounds sounds like a lot but what I would do is just kind of watch it here and there like I you know I don't like that I don't enjoy yeah. the breakup. I enjoy the binge. No, no, but I always be like, yeah, but it was like an episode, one episode a day or two episodes a day or something like that. So, but but I would kind of do it like, so you know, like how you get shows that you're really into. So that's where you want to give it your full attention. Mm-hmm. I wasn't overly bothered if it didn't get my 100% attention. So like I might put it, put it on when I was watching dinner or I might... I, I would also sit down and give it my full attention like but I would also put it on when I wasn't overly bothered um so I would have it on I wouldn't I'm not saying I sat there and I was reading a book or anything but like it, I wasn't bothered if I didn't if it didn't get 100 and 110% of my attention so I I was quite happy to work my way through it so that's kind of a bit how I feel a bit about Batwoman like so like that I might I can't not watch TV that way though like I sit on the couch and I don't do anything else. That's how I watch all, all the things. But it also like, it, it annoys me because when I, and thankfully I appreciate it, CW. I'm not saying that you should take this away, but I like that the CW will let you watch episodes for free. However, those episodes are ad supported. So there is no time savings. Like it literally takes an hour to watch anything that I rewatch on the CW when I watch it after it has already aired. I thought they were sticking them on Netflix as well. That's only in the UK. Oh, no, they do. I think they do have the Flash on. No, in the US, I thought stuff was going on Netflix. I mean, I don't know about Batwoman, but... But the one one, one more thing that I'm excited about that uh, Fandom talked about is Blue Beetle, which is going to be a live-action film on HBO Max, uh, directed by Angel Manuel Soto. Uh, written by Gareth Jeanette Alcocer, and it stars Sholom Maridueña. Um, they just seem so excited to bring to life the Mexican-American family uh, and Jaime Reyes as the Blue Beetles. So I'm super stoked. Sholom uh, was super excited about the Blue Beetle costume and claimed that it was the best costume in the DC realm. Uh, we'll have to see about that. But I do think Blue Beetle has some really cool looks. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we get with a live action Blue Beetle film. They didn't show anything. Like there was no, there was no nothing. It was just them talking. Um, but I'm really glad that it's sort of 
I guess kind of like the milestone initiative, like you have Mexican Americans telling a Mexican American story. Um, so I'm super excited is he, for, for is, that. Do they say if the movie is going to be like a cinema movie or a HBO Max movie? So far they say HBO Max, but I think DC has that deal with HBO where they do the 30 days on Max and then 60 days in theaters and then back to Max. Uh, I, uh, the Blue Beetle thing, I think the money they're going to spend to make Blue Beetle, it would be worth sticking it in theaters. Um and I think it, Blue Beetle could potentially be one of those movies that would just be fantastic to see on the screen. Yeah. Did DC how uh, DC got the same bravery as Marvel to to go and stick characters that are not Superman and Batman in the big screen? On the big screen. So, yeah. Um, so we know that they love their Batman and Superman on the big screen. And Superman and Batman associated characters. Um, I mean, if you look at DC with Shazam, I mean, Shazam isn't a common character, isn't a character that a lot of people grew up with. Yes, comic fans know about Shazam. Um, but outside of the comic book world, not many people know about Shazam. And look yeah. how well Shazam did. So, so yeah. And again, I know we, we didn't cover it, but DC fandom has talked about the sequel for Shazam. And uh, they did show a little bit about Oh, they too. talked about so much stuff. Like, it's way too much to talk about here. But pretty yeah. much anything that DC's done in the last four years, they mentioned it on fandom yeah. in some capacity. Oh, yeah. There's no way we can cover everything that DC fandom covered. Yeah. I mean, look, if you if you want to know more, just Google. So Google yeah. is your friend. So. <laughs> uh, or uh, Bing it, if that's your preference. So, oh, are we doing that? No one does that. Uh, no one does that. No one does that. Uh, they just Google. Our uh, apologies, Microsoft, but uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No one cared then and no one cares now. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to end our news of the week and uh, we're going to take a, take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. Let's get nerdy, everybody. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave, and together we are the Nerd Byword, your podcast guide through the nerd multiverse. Our podcast takes deep dives into all sorts of nerdy content. We talk about comic books, video games, movies, TV, and pop culture. Want to know about the latest nerdy news? We've got you covered. Want to get recommendations about new or obscure media that will fill your nerdy heart with happiness? You've come to the right place. And in our Nerd Big Talk segment, we go deep as we take on some of the biggest questions in nerddom. All that and exclusive interviews with heavy hitters in the nerd world. Join us on the Nerd Byword wherever you get your podcasts at nerdbyword.com. Stay well and stay nerdy. And we're back. And we're kicking off with Something is Killing the Children. This is a book that Mark has been telling me about for two years like no joke anytime something is killing the children has come up mark is like oh my god you got to read something's killing the children i'm like yeah yeah i'll i'll get there eventually so uh it got added to our schedule for october and that is the main reason that i ended up reading something is killing the children however i will say i enjoyed it uh so thank you mark for making me read something is killing the children all 20 issues of it all 20 issues so we are all caught up um, something is killing the children is from boom studios. It is currently ongoing. It started in September of 2019. Originally it was only going to be a five issue limited series run, but there was so much demand and interest in the series that, uh, before the first issue was released, boom said, okay, fine. We're going to do it ongoing. So we are now up to issue 20. There is a Netflix series that is coming out of Something is Killing the Children, and there is going to be a spinoff called The House of Slaughter. 
Uh, writer for Something's Killing the Children is James Tenney in the fourth. Artist is Werther Deledra. And the colors are by Miguel Morto. That's a good summary of where we are in terms of uh, telling you to read this and uh, <laughs> and where we are with Something is Killing the Children. Before we start, and I have said this on the podcast, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, I think it was last year I googled something that's killing the children my oldest daughter went onto the same laptop and uh, I love this story. anyway like I don't know whether it was the next day or something but we're sitting at the beach me and a load of friends and my oldest daughter turns around to me and went uh, daddy why did you google yesterday how to kill the children I was like, <laughs> honestly I started roaring with laughter I was like I appreciate your daughter calling you out like uh dad what the hell like what do you mean killing the what children are you trying to kill i was like so i just burst out laughing i was like i didn't google how to kill the children like i was like i googled something (laughs) is killing the children and she's like what is that (laughs) so then i was like it's a comic book it's called something is killing the children it's just i just said look just don't worry i said it's just a monster comic book etc she's like oh okay like and then she was fine with it um that's super cute though thank you thank you eldest daughter i appreciate you checking him to be like wait a minute which children are we killing here huh yeah yeah (laughs) and then actually this bit you haven't heard so my stack of all 20 issues i've got all all the paper original first prints i will add um of something that's killing the children so fancy pants like so um (laughs) they've been sitting in the stack while i've been working my way through it this week and my youngest daughter, who's almost eight, just said, like, I had to turn the covers over. Not because the covers are horrible, because she can read. That's why. And she goes, um, I don't like the, the name. It creeps me out. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. So, um, so I've had to have it have whatever was on the top the other way around. So she couldn't see all week. So um, I guess, let's be honest, if you're a child and you read something that says something is killing the children, I I'd be curious. Be. I would be curious. Like, uh yeah, yeah. She, to be honest with you, like my eight-year-old, she's saying it in a lot in jest. Like, it's just sort of she's quite like that. So, anyway, um, let's talk about the series rather than joking about my cho- my own children. So, <laughs> <laughs> summary of the series: issues one to fifteen are pretty much set in current time uh, in a place called Archer's Peak in Wisconsin, which I've mm-hmm. never been to. Um, although isn't that the cheese state? Yes, it is. So I I knew that because I remember meeting <laughs> some people from Wisconsin a long time ago. Anyway, Wisconsin. issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah I don't I'm not going to attempt to do American accents. So I give it a good go sometimes with New York accents. But anyway, uh, issues 16 to 20 are set in the past. So. Mm-hmm. Well, from issues one to 15, we get to meet and go through a little ride in Archer's Peak with Erica Slaughter. And then who, who is an adult? I don't know how old she is, 20 something. Uh, and then we get to meet a very much younger Erica Slaughter in issues 16 to 20. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we're going to break it down as we go. Yeah, I think she's 12 as well. So yeah. I, didn't write that. I didn't write that down, but I thought she was 12. So um I'm not going to say too much more because we're going to break this down now as we go through it. So, Jasmine, having read 20 issues, now I know that is a big demand to read 20 issues, although you've had two weeks to do it, but like, uh, it was easy going, honestly. Um, It was easy reading. 
uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's not it's not one of those books that's super wordy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of space for all of the monster killing that happens in the book. Um, initial thoughts, like I really loved it. Um, it is well, I will say, as much as I loved it, there's still the one element which is dead kids that I can't get behind. It was one of my biggest issues when we read Cult of Dracula. Um, I just don't see the need to show children being ripped in half or like that that kind of stuff. Like, you know, disembodied parts like, oh, look, there's a foot or like a leg with but nothing else. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know, man, I just don't need to see kids getting ripped in half by monsters like that was that was extreme. Um, so aside from that part, the, it, like, it kind of drops you into almost, it it feels very much like Stranger Things, the, the first season of Stranger Things, where you kind of just get dropped in and these kids are hanging out and it's obviously it's a slumber party and, and it all goes completely wrong. And so you're thrust into this murder mystery with real monsters and the way that they kind of weave the tale of where the monsters come from and how you have to hunt the monsters and and why children are the ones that can see them versus adults being able to see them um i just i love what they did with this story because when it first starts out you're thinking oh great this is just going to be a like oh where did the monster come from and like a kind of a very formulaic it all it feels very familiar when you first start and they get into the uniqueness very quickly with this series. So I, it just, it drew me in from the beginning and I pretty much read all 20 of the episodes, all 20 of the issues in, in one go, just one after the other. And by the way, if you're interested in reading Something is Killing the Children and you don't have first issue copies like Mark does, if you have a Comixology Unlimited subscription, the first 15 issues of Something is Killing the Children are available through Comixology Unlimited for you to borrow the most recent five issues you have to purchase. I think the 15 issue collected um, sort of book one is out. Yeah, uh, volumes one, two, and three are available. Um, no, no, it, no, no, but like they're releasing a hardback book one, uh, uh, I think okay. in the first week or two of November as well. So if anybody doesn't like digital or they want to read print, the mm-hmm. first 15 are coming out as collected. I think volume four, which collects it, is out soon as well. Yeah. So volume 20 or issue 20 just came out in late September. So it has not been collected into a fourth volume yet, but uh, it will be pretty soon. Um, in terms of my thoughts, like summary, I'm glad that like the first 15 issues, like the story ends in which we feel that she's moving on to something else. So mm-hmm. I was, when, when, when I heard that this had been uh, increased from a five issue mini to an ongoing, I was like, Oh, I hope we don't spend like 40 issues in like, in this tiny town. like yeah. yeah. Uh, cause I, cause it could have gone like one of those ways where, you know, like she ends up staying and there's different monsters and then she ends up exploring different characters within the town I, I, I was like, I hope it doesn't go that way. <laughs> like, I don't mind you explore the characters you have to deal with during your 
your arc, you know, 1 to 15. But I was glad that by the end of issue 15, we see her sort of getting on a bus and going and that she's defeated the, the sort of the monster by issue 15. And, when we, and while we're there, we do get a lot of teasers for the mythology of yeah. the world, um, but also herself as well. So I liked the fact that we got that during issue 15, uh, the 15, first 15 issues. So during the first 15 issues, obviously, we get to see her come to Watch's Peak, have to kill a monster, kill several other monsters. I think it was actually when they, so that she get, kills the main monster, but then finds out that monster had children. Yes. And I was like, oh, I really hope this isn't it. Like, you know, that with, now there's six children and it's going to take five issues like for everyone but actually no it was like she did get rid of those children pretty quickly to be honest i mean there was a yeah. few very challenging decisions she had to make to get yes. to be able to kill those children but and one very um, untimely death yeah so um but no i was actually pretty pleased with um how how the story progressed within the 20 issues mm-hmm. we'll t- talk about break it down in a bit but obviously the first 20 issues has a lot of characters so yeah some of them more significant than others. Our prime character throughout something is killing the children though, is Erica Slaughter. Mm-hmm. So, and now what we find out in the later half of the book though, is she takes on the surname Slaughter. That's not obviously. Yes. So it's, hint- it's hinted at within, uh, within the first 15 issues that she becomes a part of the Slaughter family. Yeah. But then you find out in issue 16 to 20 how she becomes part of the Slaughter family. Right. Um, so Erica Slaughter, we get introduced to in the first issue mm-hmm. after we meet James and James and his friends are, like you said, having a sort yep, of um, slumber party. They're playing truth or dare. Yeah, yeah, playing truth or dare. And we'll come back to James and his friends. Anyway, so then it kind of skips over to... James getting interviewed by the police. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is Erica at another town getting a phone call um, and telling her to go to Archer's Peak. And she's with a girl that literally has lost a lot of limbs and an eye um, and is in some sort of go-kart type thing. I don't know, pulley cart. I don't know what you call it. Like a uh, pulley cart type thing. I don't know. So, a wagon. So, it was a wagon. Yeah, a wagon. That was it. A wagon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think what you call it. Anyway, so this kid probably has got no legs. <laughs> Clearly hasn't done very well with the monster. So Erica gets a call to say, look, you need to go to Archer's Peak. And then Erica goes to Archer's Peak by bus. And, uh, and then during her 15 issues, you get to see her basically being a badass yeah and she she she's overly confident and however i think the difference between her and the other members of the the people that she's associated with Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the order of st george but she actually cares about these people so and i think that's a big difference about erica she cares about the people she's saving and mm-hmm. as we go further on with the order of saint george we can see there's a big difference between how they see getting the job done right versus because they care about keeping the story hush hush they yeah. don't care who dies in the process whereas erica would like to be able to get rid of the monsters without destroying the lives of the people that the yeah. monsters are affecting so I really liked seeing Erica's journey through the first 15 issues in terms of seeing her be the badass, but actually yeah. seeing her be the badass that cares. Um, 
it makes you think a little bit like the supernatural brothers a bit like you know they although yeah, they but she is definitely them. not as personable as sam and dean <laughs> like, yeah. like, um but then in the sort of the second arc which is issue 16 to 20 i like the fact that we jump back to when she's 12 yeah and get to pit basically pick up with the day her parents get killed and her uh-huh. best friend gets killed and then she gets rescued by um jesse uh jesse yeah and jesse then takes her into the order of saint george and i, I love seeing that origin story yeah um so and the trials that she has to go through we'll talk about the mythology later in, in, in this episode but i love seeing the trials that she has to go through and um and they kind of a lot of the things that they alluded to in those first 15 issues that Erica mm. either alludes to through conversation and stuff like that, you actually get to see a lot more of it in that yeah. second arc. You so, get a lot of payoff in that second, in that the last five yeah. books of this, this first part. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously Erica was our main character, kind of really just our point of view character, but yeah. um, what did you think of Erica? I loved her. I, she was like, no bullshit. She didn't embellish things. She didn't stretch the truth. And she did, she would lie occasionally, but for the most part, she was very like upfront. Like there was one point where uh, James asked her, is it going to hurt? And she was like, yep. Yes, it <laughs> yeah. sure will. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, yeah. not going to lie to you. Um, I just, I loved how blunt she was and how like she, she kind of just had that didn't give a shit attitude where she was like, I know what my job is, but I also know where my morals are. And when I feel like, you know, I, it's sort of like she does everything at her discretion, um, as opposed to following the cold, cold rules of the order of St. George. Hmm. So it was, I, I thought one of the most compelling parts of the first 15 issues was just the headbutting that goes on between Erica and everyone else in the house of slaughter mm. um like she literally doesn't get along with any of the characters <laughs> like any of <laughs> any of the other people from the house of slaughter um she she makes reference to jesse quite often in the first 15 issues obviously jesse is dead and we don't know what happened to jesse but like in issues 16 through 20 since we go back in time we get to see jesse saved her life jesse recruited her jesse kind of you know, walked her through her life as part of the order of St. George. Um, so you can understand why she has this reverence for Jesse. Um, but outside of Jessica, like it doesn't seem like Erica just has any kind of close contact with any of the other people in the house of slaughter. So her being at odds with, with that organization on top of her being an outsider in this town, trying to save kids and kill the monsters she just has so much stuff going on but she balances it really well um and so i just i love the way that she's written because it's like yes she's tired yes she's sore yes she is hurt but she looks at it like but i have a job to do um and i'm gonna make sure that it gets done like and i don't care who i have to piss off to make that happen so when we go through the first 15 issues like before we talk about that second arc she meets a lot of people in the town mm-hmm. and there's some main players in there like tommy i think how do you say it bian is it bian bian i say bian i don't know how yeah. to say that so it's b-i-a-n bian maybe anyway uh-huh. um so we get to meet james we get to meet tommy bian 
uh, there's a few others, but I think sort of for me, I feel like Tommy and BN and James are like the main people through that first 15 issues. Yeah. Um, now there's other I will say outside of Erica, go. James is my favorite character. It was, well, I was going to say there's a lot of other people that come and go. The sheriff, mm-hmm. the sheriff um, yep. is quite a prominent character, but he's not, I, I didn't care about the sheriff. Yeah, he's so. not like essential. So I definitely think Tommy, Bianne, and James are the three main people that she gets close to within that town. Mm-hmm. Um, so James is your favorite. Like, why was James your favorite? Just because he seemed like a kid that found himself in a really awful situation, but he handled it well. Like, this is a kid who is struggling with his own sexuality. They, we don't really know how old he is. I mean, I'm guessing maybe like late middle school, early high school. Mm. Um, so somewhere between 12 and 14. Um, he has a crush on one of the kids that's at his slumber party. He watched all three of his friends get ripped apart by this monster. Um, and he just decides like, I'm going to help this woman because she's going to kill the thing that killed my friends. But in the process of helping her, he ends up getting shot. He ends up getting like hurt by another monster. Like this kid is just always in danger, but at the same time, like he refuses to sort of back down and and just take everything from the sidelines so yes it sucks that a kid doesn't get to be a kid but i really appreciated that he was not one of those whiny oh why me like why did this happen to me like i don't know what i'm gonna do and uh, blah, blah 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 like he did not feel sorry for himself or even if he did he still got a lot of stuff done um And just like he would go toe to toe with Erica. And I I really thought that the dynamic between the two of them was great because he just seemed like a kid, even before sort of he watched his friends die. Like he seemed like a kid that was a little bit older than his actual age. Um, So he can go toe to toe with Jessica, not Jessica, I'm sorry, with Erica. Um, He can hold conversations. He like calls her on her bullshit. And I also (laughs) really like the relationship that James had with the principal. Uh, which was John Collins. Uh, like after everything happened and he gets into a fight and then he goes to the principal's office and the principal was like, yo man, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I've never been through anything like this before. Like this sucks. Are you okay? And uh, James is like, uh, are you okay? And the principal's like, nope, sure not. I am not okay. <laughs> um, so I just, I really liked him. I really like James because he, again, was a character that pulled his own weight and it really felt like he belonged in the same scenes as Erica. He did not feel like dead weight that she was just dragging along to get to her, you know, final ritual that she had to do. You know, with James, I love the two page scene between them in issue 15, like when they're on the bus together. Yeah. And they, and what I actually love, you know, we'll talk about the art, but I love the, like the, I love the way they do the panels like across mm-hmm. two pages and it's like long, um, sometimes like real long uh, rectangles and, and you see the bus pulling out. And, and I love the fact that it's kind of like driving off into the sunset because it is the yeah. sun is setting. Um, so, and then I love the banter. Like I kind of wanted to just reference a little bit. So it's like, she goes to him, Erica goes to James. Um, I was going to write you a letter. He's like, no, you weren't. And yeah. he, she's like, I'm, I was, th- I was thinking about it. <laughs> and I, I sort of love that sort of banter. And then I love yeah. that he gets a bit emotional. And and then she, he just suddenly turns and hugs her and says, 
thank you and yeah. she actually says thank you back like and it's kind of like the first time you see although I said to you that she cares about these people it's the first time you really see like that softer side of her mm-hmm. but I think it's because now she can relax like she's kind of walked away at this point from everybody she's told the house of slaughter she's off Mm -hmm. she's defeated the monster and the monster's children she's taken james like you say to family she's told the house of slaughter she's going to carry on doing what she's been doing but she's just doing it alone which Mm -hmm. really that's what she was anyway she was a lone wolf well she was a black Um, mask so but yeah yeah yeah. which we'll We'll cover later yeah but i I love the fact that it's that whole thing and then you see just like that bus just going off like um into the into the distance and I just I, I love that whole thing between yeah. her and James I think James is such an important character in those first 15 oh, issues yeah now I'm not saying that I want to see loads more of him I'm quite happy that I'm quite happy if no I think the like they I think they did a good like, job wrapping up his story like I think we're done with James and if we if we get back to Erica at this current age then I think is she needs a new cast of characters to support her Oh, yeah. I think if she goes to another town, like, I don't need to see James or Tommy or anyone again. Now, actually, talking about Tommy. So Tommy was probably my favourite character outside of James in that first 15 issues. So Tommy, um, he owns the restaurant uh, cafe. So at the beginning of the the series. I think he's um, just a manager. It's like a chain restaurant. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, manager. Sorry, yeah, manager. Sorry, he runs it as well. I mean, so so his sister's missing Sophie. So what happens is Erica finds James. She goes in to essentially gives him like $100 or whatever and says, I'm going to rent this table. You don't touch my table. You don't touch my stuff. But that went badly pretty quickly anyway. Um, (laughs) But we get to see a massive evolution of Tommy from Mm -hmm. kind of... I wouldn't say like deadbeat, but he's like almost just like suspicious hillbilly, like like, but he's kind of like a nothing to by the end of it, like actually becoming the man that say, you know, not I know Erica saved them from the monsters, but he also saved the people of the town because there's Mm -hmm. because there's because there's kind of like two villains really because we've got the monsters that just kill anybody that have no motivation other than hunger, and then you've got the house of slaughter, like you said, they. Their main agenda is well they have two agendas protect people but protect the secret mm-hmm. uh at all costs so protecting the secret comes actually almost above killing protect, the monsters. yeah exactly and um, so he he actually very cleverly um says in in the last couple of issues arrest me i killed everybody i killed all 25 kids etc um and he's saying it out loud and he says it to the so basically the white masked people from the house of slaughter they come down or from the order of saint george they come down but from the chicago um chapter uh-huh. and they've come down to wisconsin basically to kill off anybody that's been associated with erica or anybody yep. like that and so he puts his hand up and says look do you know what? i'll i'll cop a I'll cop, cop the uh, the punishment for this, except you know, sheriff arrest me, etc. And so, even though he's lost his daughter, sorry, lost his sister, not you know, lost all friends and family, etc. He he's like, no, arrest me. And I mean, let's be honest, we know what prison's like. You know, if you go into prison for doing anything to children, you're gonna get effed up. Like, yeah. so he he's not in for a good time in prison. Now, when we talked about, yeah, we're happy to say say goodbye to James. I would imagine that we will see Tommy again. I think we're going to have to because Erica did something to him to give him the vision so that he could see the monsters because the theme for the, for the series is that the monsters 
can only be seen by children. Um, so a lot of the times when the adults are dying or when anybody dies, the adults, all they can see is some invisible force, like ripping into something else. They can't actually see the monsters. So basically when Erica left and everybody's at the gym and they're trying to figure this all out, Tommy had to be the eyes for her and to kind of direct the sheriff and the rest of the townsfolk to kind of like stay away from this area because I can see the monster, even though you can't. So um, yeah, he got the site, which she got in trouble for, of course, from the house of slaughter, because that is not her right supposedly to give to people. Um, so she went using the, I call it magic. I don't know what else you call it. Uh, but using the, you know, order of St. George magic to give Tommy the site, even though he hadn't gone through any of the trials or any of the rights or anything like that. Um, yeah, I have a feeling he's going to be making another appearance. I think that'd be pretty awesome if something happens down the road where they take him out of prison and then put him through the tri trials and tribulations of becoming yeah. a member of the, of yeah. the house or the order of St. George. If he ever um, even makes it to prison, because you got to go through the trial first, which now that town that they're leaving, Archer's Peak, has this massive story because all of the people that were gathered at that gym that day, they were gathered because Erica found the cave where the mother was and found all of the bodies of the children that had gone missing that weren't eaten. So the town folk had come to the school because all of the bodies were in the gym and they needed to be identified by family members. So that's when it's like the big climax of this first 15 issues. And, and they see, the townspeople see a child get ripped apart by a monster. But of course, all they could see is a kid floating in midair getting ripped in half. Um, so that's why the white masks are threatening to kill everyone that is at the gym when Tommy kind of steps up and he's like, you don't have to do that because I kill the kids. I admit, I admit it. And now everybody in this gym has seen me admit to killing the kids. So you can go away. You don't have to kill anybody else. I think they kind of lucked out really with him there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I love was they, they, when they come in, they said, Oh, we want everyone to stand in the center of the room. Cause it's safer for you. I was like, yeah, right. It's easier to who, kill that way. Uh, it, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I thought. I was like, no, stand in the middle of the room. It's easier to kill. Yeah, that's all a kill of zone. You. I was Hello. like, man, if I'm ever in a position where I'm in a hall and some weirdos show up and say we want everyone to stand together because we want to protect you, I'll be like, no, man, nope. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm stand over the there. Perimeter. <laughs> I'm I, 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 I need to get to the toilet. Like, yeah. so <laughs> I ain't coming back. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the structure of the of the um series, which I think we've kind of been mentioning a little bit. Uh, as we've been going along but anyway so 15 issues pretty much set in current time yeah but they and move then, at a really good clip it but, does yeah, it, but, there is no room for this story to drag at all it doesn't drag though so no. the 15 issues i think are told at quite a good pace which mm -hmm. makes me wonder how what would have happened in the five issue mini like would it would it have like were they gonna just to i think they it? probably like, would have cut out cut out a lot of the backstory like so you wouldn't have gotten all of the Erica pining about Jesse. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten um, any of like any of the, like the emotional pieces that we ended up getting. Like there are a couple of characters. Uh, it was the sheriff and the sheriff's brother is also the coroner. So like, there, there's just like all of these little sort of mini backstories for these people. Mm. So I, I think all of that probably would have been cut out. 
I, th- I think you're right. I think probably what would happen is by the end of issue five, she'd be on a bus and going somewhere else. Yeah. So it would have been an extremely fast-paced mini. Yeah. Um, but I think that the first 15 issues are told at a very good, like, strong oh, yeah. pace. They don't yeah. drag. No. Um, and, you know, in terms of kind of covering our script a little bit here, I think it's really well-written, but also not lagging and not right. wordy. Like, I mean, there's enough script in here to be able to understand what's going on, but it's not... Yeah. But you I don't, don't feel like it. I'm. I don't feel like I'm reading a novel, which yeah. because 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 of the artwork, it gives it, it gives the art sort of page and space to breathe. Yeah, but um, I think it's because the story is told mostly through dialogue. There's very little exposition, so anytime we do have you know the word bubbles, it's people talking versus like you're not inside someone's head. Like you're not reading oh they never do the thought yeah they never do the thought bubbles which, yeah, which is right. good i hate i hate the thought bubble yeah. in most things because you're like no, i don't want to read yeah the thoughts <laughs> um one of the things i really loved actually we talked about the structure is every single issue does it every single issue does it which i think is great is the double spray spread page of, of the word something is killing the children which is normally done about three or four pages in and it's kind of done on this sort of teasery cliffhanger yeah. it kind of makes me think do you know do you remember csi miami where you'd always have well all the csis did it but csi miami i remember they'd always see like a dead body and then you'd see horatio stand above the body and he'd uh-huh. take, his take off his sunglasses, sunglasses and then csi miami tiles would yeah. kick in. it was always the way he'd take and, yeah. and i'd be like didn't he go to acting school just to learn to take his glasses off anyway so, <laughs> like no that's not important to this but i always love that every issue is the same thing that one of yes. something will happen they give you that preview before the title card pops up yeah and then the mm-hmm. title card will come up and i was like this is like tv 101 here like yes um there are no cold that. opens like it all gives you the teaser and then we jump straight into uh it's yeah. it's great yeah. it's really it's really well put together um everything fits like but even before i started reading issue 16 if i had stopped just at 15 i i don't feel like i would have missed anything like yes it's really great to get erica's backstory and how she got into it and yes i was curious but the story that they were telling through in issues one through 15 is wrapped up so well and so completely that you're just satisfied when, when you're done with issue 15, there is no, Oh, I wish they had done this. And Oh man, it would have been so much better if they had done this. So I think through the first 15 issues, they tease a lot mm-hmm. of other things like the order of St. George and, and the, um, the old dragon who mm-hmm. is mainly seen in Chicago. However, in issue 15, he actually comes to Wisconsin and, mm-hmm. and sees Erica before she gets to the bus and they have a chat. Now, if it like ended there and we didn't get any more, I probably would be all right with it. I probably, I, I, I know me, I would be like, oh, are they ever going to release more? But I would probably be okay with that. Now, like you just said about 16 to 20, you know, talking about the structure and the writing here. Uh, I love the fact that we get like this flashback to go back and finally see Erica. And again, she remains a point of view character, but she is now the point of view character as 12, as a 12 year old and going through obviously her journey. And I love the fact that it's, you kind of, you've de-aged the growth that we had in issues one to 15, mm-hmm. but there's still the early stages of confidence. Like... Yes, but Erica is still there. The Erica that you liked from the first 15 issues is still there, even though we've gone back in time to when she was 12. 
I like, I like some of the comments. So the, Jesse, Jesse rescues her after her parents have been killed and her best friend's been killed. Mm-hmm. And Jesse obviously does say, look, I could leave you. You'd go into social services, et cetera, et cetera. Or you could come with me, but your life will never be the same again. I, I, I was thinking, like, that's a hard choice to make, man. Like, yeah, especially you know, at 12. Even, 12 years old, you've just lost your everything. Yes. I can imagine a lot of people going with, with yeah, okay, I'll come. Like, well, not I'll, only have you just lost your everything, but now you know that monsters are real. Yeah, yeah, that's what she said as well. So, yeah. um, but I love when they get to um, the Chicago um, sort of branch of the Order of St. George that she says, like, that their house... Um, the black mask house in the in the house slaughter like <laughs> she go there's only one other guy it's a very small faction and the, there's another guy called Aaron and she's like can I bully him <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and Jesse was like well yeah but like sort of in like a friendly kind way. Of, uh, yeah, in a friendly way yeah. you know, like a brother like and then and then literally within about three pages she kicks him you know yeah in, in a very sensitive area and uh and she's like you said i could bully him and she's like not like that yeah. <laughs> so, friendly friendly bullying yeah. yeah so i i i have to say i really did love though that last second arc that's sort of 16 mm-hmm. to 20 um and i love the fact that we completely have had this head on its head that we get to see 12 year old um erica's point of view yeah and i love the fact that we get to see the house of slaughter as her as again as a point of view mm-hmm. which is clever this the first time we really get to see the house is through when erica enters it as a 12 year old mm-hmm. and gets to understand some of the structure but also i love the fact that they say right she's going to go off to the farm and i was like oh here we go like, yeah. and uh so she has to go off to this other place that they have where you do your training yeah. and um and how she gets goes through an initiation uh mm-hmm. to become because my well, early stage of becoming a hunter um yeah I, I think i just think all of that's just brilliant so yeah I, but it's also one of those things where this is another completely self-contained arc like it has nothing to do with issues one through 15 so if you picked up something is killing the children at number 16 you would be reading a brand new story and then you would be in the same boat that people were in for the first 15 issues before 16 was released to where you're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, I wonder what she's like when she grows up. Like, you'd be very curious. But the way that this is sort of paced and, and broken out, it's it's really great to me the way that they contain it into its own thing. And it, it there's no back and forth. There's no sort of mixing of anything. Right. So like one through 15 is a complete story. And then 16 through 20 is a complete story. I think um, I was thinking about this. Would you have liked it if they'd have had the sort of pretty cool 12 year old Erica story first and then get the one to 15? I I think it works better this way. Yeah. I always think it works better when you jump into the middle of something and you have no idea what's going on uh, versus starting at the very beginning and working your way up to it because you're going to lose your attention span by the, as things keep going. But with, with the way that they did the first 15 issues, you're literally thrown into, like I said, it's a slumber party. It seems all normal. And then it all goes to shit and monster starts ripping kids apart. And you're like, first of all, the hell did this monster come from? Second of all, who the hell is a strange woman on a bus with these super weird eyes that's going to roll into town and like, take care of this thing. Like the way that they, leave you with so many questions from single issue to single issue at the beginning 
is really what makes you want to keep reading this book. And I think even if I had picked it up at the beginning, it would have, even if I didn't go month to month, like this still would have been something I picked up in trades just because the mystery itself is so compelling that I just, I want to know what happens. Like I want to know more. hundred mm, percent. So throughout the 16 issues, did you have a favorite issue or favorite couple of issues or anything like that? Um, or even just, even just favorite scenes within, within it, just. I think some of my favorite stuff was probably in the third volume. So 11 to 15, um, when, when we're getting down to the wire, when Octo comes into play and starts kind of giving James shady information (laughs) and then James gets shot by, uh, Tommy accidentally, um, but it's sort of like, I guess it's cheating, but like my favorite pieces are kind of like the climax when all this happens, when they get to that den and then they realize like, oh shit, this was just the mother, the mom monster. And the mom had five babies. Like, oh hell, come on, man. Seriously. So that that's probably my favorite little bit when they finally get there and you finally think like, oh man, it's going down. And then it's like, hmm, well, you killed the big one, but uh there's five more out there so good luck that, that, that's the thing in it like i was you know do, do you remember that uh, um that godzilla film that came out like early 2000s or late 90s or something i can't remember what it was anyway they they defeat godzilla everyone's all walking away happy and then it just pa- the camera pans down to underneath like the yeah and then there's one, stadium, one and there's egg like, left yeah there's, yeah there's like oh yeah because they blew up all the eggs but there's like one egg left and yeah. you're like Oh no! Like, and and that's like like this with the monsters. Like, yeah, I killed off that monster. Damn good. Oh no, there's five kids. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and that, and those kids age quick. Yeah, like, well, they, they age they, with each kill. Yeah, and they they carry on killing. So and, yes, they um, did. So my my favorite issue itself um, is actually issue seventeen. So issue seventeen when they um. Oh, hold on. Okay. <clears throat> so my favorite issue is issue 17. Now I I I love them all. I but I love issue 17 and I love the fact that it opens up and this is where you don't need dialogue. You've got a 12-year-old Erica sitting outside. I it kind of makes me feel like an alternate version of the Masons. You know, like, you know, those old school buildings like mm-hmm. that have been around for hundreds of years that all Masons meet up in and things like that. Um, so she's sitting like on this chair with these massive doors and then behind her is St. George on a horse killing a, a dragon or fighting a dragon, etc. And I love that she's just sitting there like not knowing what's going on. And then Aaron comes over and like, yeah, yeah, they're arguing about you. And then you see, you know, a bit of the the um, Octo in his little Tupperware thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, I, I just love the whole whole of that issue, like, and including the conversations between um, uh, Jesse and um, uh, is it Cynthia, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jesse and Cynthia are at the bar drinking. So I love the fact that we're getting involved in other characters, but a part of the sort of the Order of Saint George, but that particular order. And I also love the fact that you take they take them in and put Octo on the shelf 
with the other totems like yeah. from their order or from their faction you know they're you know from the house of slaughter um but I, I sort of i just love all of that like and but i love the fact that aaron starts the issue being a dick to her and by the end of it he's like kind of like he's yeah, fighting actually, with the are... white mask about like no she's not gonna die she's gonna make yeah. it and like when 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 they like he comes in to see her and then when he leaves the room he's like please don't die and she's like i promise like because mm-hmm. when when it goes off to do these trials at the farm nobody thinks she's gonna make it well there is unfortunately a chance that during these initiations that people don't always get out okay. and uh yeah so that that gave me this like hunger games feel like yeah you know, like so it kind of gave me that vibe about it like you know you know it reminded me of tresse actually like um in in Tressie when she goes into that tree and goes through those trials and when she comes out like it turns out she's been inside that tree for like five years or something ridiculous like that um it's like a lot of times they just don't expect people to walk out of the other side of those trials uh, and by the way this is my fault uh we have been calling this white mask leader cynthia her name is cecilia i'm sorry oh. it's cecilia that's my fault Cecilia. my bad listeners my bad anyway right, okay <laughs> let's talk about the mythology so within 20 yes. issues within 20 issues a lot is hinted about some stuff is actually outright told, like we get outright information about um we're just going to break it down a little bit and then we're gonna then we're gonna call out something of our something that we like so <laughs> So I'm going to talk about monsters and actually how do monsters come to exist within the world of something is killing the children. So what we get to discover in the first 20 issues is that monsters come to exist through the creation of story. So they come to life by belief. So yep. which I think is cool. So we go back to which James. Is also scary as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, but this is where, because adults, and this is what, what we get with Tommy is because mm-hmm. he's an adult and, and adults don't believe in these things. And the, or, or for the most part, adults don't believe in these things. And, you know, some, some adults do, and they allude to that later on in different parts of the world. But through the creation of James's story, we're at his slumber party. And more and more people got involved in this particular story. And they, they said they loved the James's story and his world building. They all started to believe his story. And therefore, that belief spread and somehow created manifested. enough. Like man, yeah, manifested into uh, an actual into monster. James's imaginary monster. Yeah. So, which is pretty, pretty cool. But also I mean, that's cool, scary. but that's scary. That's, that would scare the crap out of me. I'm not even going to lie. Like. If if any of the things in my head suddenly came to life, I would be shit out of luck. Like we just put it that way. But obviously that's through the creation of story. So if like one or two people are just, I've got an idea, but it's I guess it's what you're doing is passing that idea to multiple people mm-hmm. who are also then believing it. And young minds are suckers sometimes. <laughs> well, but they're they're, uh, like- they're not as jaded either. Yeah, yeah. No, what I mean is like, yeah, those, uh, yeah, they, they, they're more open to what else is out there. Like, because you know, how cool would it be if vampires existed or whatever, or aliens existed and spaceships came out of the sky and all that kind of? Because you know, that's young people are much more imaginative, mm-hmm. um, and that imagination dies unfortunately as we enter the world of nine to five and 
paying bills and yeah all that all that all that that adult stuff so but i just love that through the creation of story and and story spreading and becoming belief a monster can be manifested into reality so that and that is as a dangerous thing like oh yeah and and i guess if you play it back to the fact that the you know the the white masks take it so seriously about killing people who may find out. Imagine if adults actually began to find out that monsters could exist. Mm-hmm. That belief could actually spread not just from children but to adults. And imagine yeah. then how many more monsters there could be. Right, that would be a crazy world to live in. Yeah, so. because adults are ridiculous and they panic all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when um, Erica gets to uh, the Chicago. Um, Order of St. George, she has to hand over her totem. So Octo is her totem, which is a little little purple cuddly toy uh, mm-hmm. called Octo. And what happened was her monster got trapped within it. Yeah, uh, put him in there. Yeah, and so she has to put Octo on the shelf, but then also has to use Octo as part of her trial when she goes to the farm. I personally love Octo and would love to get some sort of cuddly toy of Octo. Nope. <laughs> nope. I, nope. Mm-mm. And if I ever oh, see yeah. a little kid carrying an Octo, I'm getting the hell away from that kid. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I, when Octo was first introduced quite early on, it was like issue two or something. And you see some sort of weird sort of alien monster thing coming out of him, like mm-hmm. purple, uh, sorry, not purple, like orange or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on like where where what is going on with this story so i love the fact that we actually get to see some origin of that in the last five issues of... yeah because in the first issue i think she it whispers to her yeah and so you're yeah. like hold up what is inside of this little like kids stuffed animal that is whispering such ominous things to you i didn't even think that i was like where where is it because obviously it's quite early on so you're like where is this where is this comic going like mm-hmm. do they have talking cuddly toys well is it like chucky like like but then even then chucky was possessed by a doll was possessed wasn't he so yeah like i guess i don't know i was a bit like where are we going with this so mm-hmm. but i just i think it's cool so okay so the order of saint george itself um i think that was pretty cool like when they mentioned the order of saint george several times i was like okay so is this actually linked to the actual saint george turns out it was so yes um, quote unquote the true story of St. George and the dragon. Yeah. So they tell the story within the 20 issues um, and they tell the true story and then they tell, they they say that the actual, there was a sort of fake story that was mm-hmm. kind of what everybody else knows. Yeah. Um, you know, read something that's killing the children. They'll tell you all about, about the true and the fake story. But yeah, I think it's But that's really cool because cool it has that uh, like national treasure element to it where it's like, there's this big thing that everyone believes, but there's this secret behind it that no one really knows about except for a few people. So I love that kind of stuff. Like the yeah, intrigue no, and like the, the mystery, but you know, it's like Indiana Jones or Nathan Drake and the uncharted series, like that kind of stuff. Love it. I love, I love it when they have um, things like this and they link it to kind of 
real mythology mm-hmm. like um you know like when we watched loki and then loki was like db cooper yes. or whatever like and um i i mentioned db cooper to my wife the other day and she's like what what is db cooper and i was like oh, oh you don't know so i had to tell her like and she's like oh okay like and um, i was like even i know about db cooper like, yeah so- i mean that's a very americana thing so like yeah i can see i can see her not knowing but yeah but like um but i love it when they do link things like this so you know so the link to the actual saint george so um this is a minor thing but as you pass your trial um you pass one of your first trials at the farm you get inked you get tattooed Mm -hmm. and so at 12 years old erica gets a tattoo so that tattoo is on the back of every single issue of something that's killing the children so it's like a dragon which i guess order of saint george a dead dragon and it's got three lines through it, which I'm assuming is like poles spears or spears. Or yeah. 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 Killing that dragon. So essentially you get a dead dragon tattoo on you. So mm-hmm. and at, you 12. Can, at 12, she gets inked up at 12. Why not? So uh, I think, I think it's pretty cool to be honest. Like, you know, when you join a cult, like, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't uh, join uh, cults, people. Yeah. Please. Cults are not I, good. That was something I did think when I was reading this, this is, sort of two steps away from a cult so um anyway uh, more like a cult with a good with potentially maybe 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 like potentially good intentions use cults in good intentions in the same sort of thing like i mean they 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 try to go back their way in good manner but there is a secret organization i i wouldn't call them a cult there doesn't feel like there is a religious overtone to it no 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 no, there isn't a cultiness to it but there's a very much a do as we say or we're gonna kick you out yeah, 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 but they don't probably get kicked out. I imagine no, they, they kill you. Get, yeah, probably get killed. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was kind of where I was more like with the cultness about it. Yeah. It's like you join the, you leave in two yeah. ways, like dead or dead. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, dead by monster or dead by us is what yeah. I was thinking. So. You too. Anyway, uh, yeah. So so you within the in the last five issues, you kind of the training is shown to a degree. And then yeah, more alluded so, to. So yeah. I think that you'll get to see young Erica again. Yeah. I think they would go back to showing Erica maybe maybe at 15, maybe at 17, and get to see some more in the House of Slaughter. I think I think you'll get to see that again. And I, I think that would be good. I'd be quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine them doing another arc with Erica in the present and then maybe jumping back to Erica in the past. I think that would be a cool thing to do. So should we talk about the masks? Yes, yes. Let's. I want to talk about the masks because when I was reading the first 15 issues and people showed up in white masks, I was like, hold up, wait a minute. We got different color masks. Hmm. And so ever since the first 15 issues, I was like, oh no, uh-uh. I need to know what these colors mean. Who are these people? Who are these? How, how do you join? What What's the distinction? So I, I have been curious about the mask since we introduced the second color. I was like, how Power Rangers of them? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so we have six that we're aware of. Okay, so we get told this in the again in the last five issues. Yes. When, while she's getting her tattoo, Gary, Big Gary is telling yeah. her the mythology behind each of the colors so 
so the last um sorry the first one we get told about is scarlet which is basically like hr um yep. so they keep a track of the others they um, do but all they all the paperwork all the bookkeeping paperwork mm-hmm. but they also are like the they servants the of the house yeah yes. they're so basically they've got the safest of the of the masks so yeah they don't do any uh, field work yeah they don't do I mean, I don't know how it works. Maybe they're like former field agents that just like, I don't want to go out anymore. We, I don't I, know. I, and based on the drawings, they all looked very young. So yeah, I think maybe, maybe like if if the kids pass the field, the first field test, but they don't show any like, you know, monster killing potential, then maybe they get put into the Scarlet's. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like Harry Potter, you know, like, you know, you kind of, you know, you can kind of move you know your house gets chosen for you or whatever or you choose your own yeah. house or whatever it is yeah maybe it's part of the because they, they've all phase. had to go through something horrible to get there in the first place so it maybe it's just that they don't have the aptitude to be a hunter so they talk about that like obviously erica got there through something horrible mm-hmm. but other kids actually got there through um a much more organized way because they have artificial intelligence and the ways of finding children that would fit being mm-hmm. being, being in this world yeah right. yeah they profile children and erica does make a good point like when they're saying oh you know you can't join because you came in by this way and she's like yeah but surely like a long time ago this is this is how we would have come in yeah uh you know because and then that probably and they did say yeah yeah it was but we try and be more efficient now anyway yeah. very so red the- room of them from <laughs> black so, widow to just kind yeah. of like have this worldwide network of orphans and random children that they pull from so the other masks are black, which is basically the lone wolf hunters, which Erica mm-hmm. is. She's a black mask. Then you, in the first 15 issues, you meet the white mask, which mm-hmm. Jasmine got quite excited about earlier. And they are the pack hunters. They go yes. out in packs of five or six and yes. they go out, they go and they are much more organized and they're yeah. strategic and they work together as basically a pack. So yes. um, they are fairly ruthless people. They, will they are kill. all dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. all of them um then you've got the uh, is it azure azure, azure. azure. Uh, okay you, you do uh weapons and technology people so yes. again i don't presume these are hunters but they're like the cues of the yes sort of they James are q they are the yeah. the quartermasters um yeah. gary who is inking jesse and who is responsible for the farm not jesse uh erica and is responsible for the farm gary is a blue mask the azure yeah which when i first saw his mask i was like oh okay so there's not just black or white yeah. there's uh-huh. other colors so yeah, yeah. the colors now the next two masks that get revealed like made me go ah oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, this uh-huh. is a much bigger world than i had anticipated oh, yeah. so you've got silver which is like the law which yes. is and they even say it vampires like and werewolves. old school lore yeah, yeah vampires yeah. and werewolves they specifically mention in the book but they're you know basically anything along those lines and they said there's not many silver masks and they said you know there's there is some in the u.s or in the house yeah. of saint uh, the house of slaughter they only have two silvers yeah. but silver masks are more prominent in europe which i'm assuming you know transylvania romania yeah those kinds kind of things thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah um so they might be like 10 over there or something like that i don't yeah. know like what their numbers will be but then the last one which i thought was pretty cool was emerald is the dragon hunters and then yes. she and they like, said that like with a straight face like oh the yeah. emerald mask they hunt dragons like uh, wait, erica, what do you mean dragons 
Erica does say, I'd love to meet a dragon. And, and Gary's like, yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> no, I'm good. I don't no. need to meet any dragons, man. I'm, I'm good. So I, I, I'm wondering. So the fact that they've laid out all these masks, I, at some point we are probably going to get pulled into the world of these different masks just yeah. to get to see what they do. Um, yes. Although I'm pretty sure the Scarlet one would be a pretty boring story. Not necessarily. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, like. It could be like Downton Abbey. Like there could be all kinds of shenanigans going on inside the house that the Red Master are familiar with. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, or maybe they like do secret stuff that the others don't know. Like yeah, maybe they do. Yeah. Maybe they do do missions. Maybe they dun, do. Dun, dun. They might. Yeah, actually, that would be pretty cool. Maybe they're like. Maybe they do corporate espionage or something like that. Yeah, maybe they get sent off like to do. Maybe they like. Maybe they do get sent off like lone wolf type things. But mm. you know, like you said, the, the corporate stuff. Like maybe they have to go and. I don't know. I've no idea. Like, <laughs> and um, anyway, so I think they're all pretty cool. But if you today woke up and you were in the house of slaughter Easy. and had to Easy. choose choose your mask, which would it be? Blue all day, all day, all day. Blue. I'd be in Azure for sure. Weapons and technology. Hold up, I get to make the weapons that you guys use to kill the monsters, and so I get to play. I get to play on the internet and erase all of the stories from happening. Hell yeah, I would be a blue mask. I think silver be would silver. be my second choice. I'd be silver. I, I, the idea of hunting down vampires and werewolves, whilst that would be bloody terrifying to hunt down werewolves, <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool to actually like go meet some of these things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, are they going to be an Edward Cullen or are they going to no. be something scary? Yes. Like, so, <laughs> they, uh, they will not glow in the daylight. I promise. Glow in the dark. Like, anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I would definitely go with silver. I think it'd be pretty cool, like to be like a blade type character. So blue. that'd blue, be me. Blue, 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 blue. So, um, anyway, let's talk about the art. Yes. So let's just go straight into the art. Now, I think it's brilliant that we've had twenty issues all by the same. Same team. Uh-huh. Same team. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. So even even create our own stuff doesn't always 100 percent always have the same illustrator. Yeah. So I think that's been, I think I have to give a shout out there. The fact that within since 2019 to 2021, we've had the same team on board, same writer, same illustrator, same inker. You know, I think that's pretty cool. Um there is a hell of a lot of variant covers out there. Um, but from the covers, I think the covers themselves are are pretty badass as well yeah. like some of them some of them i i actually would consider having framed some even some of the variant covers do you know what though like i've got issue 16 here in front of me which is a variant cover um i should just go open it i think it's has it jenny jenny feeling like um i'm going to show you this cover in a second i will stick it on our instagram if I can find out who it is. No, I don't know. Anyway, this is the cover. That's really cool looking. Is that a baseball bat? Yeah, so I think it's I think oh, basically it's a, no no no. This is a this is, looks like a machete. Um so it's Erica, young Erica. Um just literally it's like a virgin cover there's no titles or anything on it and it's her holding like a machete a bloody looking one. kind of timid yeah bloody bloody machete and she's got like a weird sort of crew cut with long hair at the top um this is that that's probably like my favorite color so that, that is a variant um but when i saw that coming out i was like oh i need to get that cover. 
so yeah. good that cover um so that was like one of my favorites but in terms of the art itself like the interiors yeah they're just so good like it's really when, good when, but it's what it's, i call the ugly art yeah it's, yeah it's like, very rough lines rough edges uh features are kind of blurred and run together but it is so perfect and works so well with the story um it's just it's really cool like it's 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 definitely really cool yeah I, I love everything about the art there's nothing i wouldn't change i think it's all done so well like i talked about earlier just i love the fact that there's a lot throughout the 20 issues where we get the tw um the double pages and the, mm -hmm. the panels go across and they use well like how they have you know the long the long thin rectangle boxes yeah. as well as like bigger chunks as well and i just think it's just done yeah so the layouts are really fantastic yeah which get kind of hard to read um, because, well, reading through Comixology, they have an app, so it's easy to follow along. But if you're just reading a PDF, one of the one of the issues that we got was a preview copy directly from Boom, and that one was a broken up PDF. And there were definitely times reading the PDF where I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then I was like, oh, it's because it's a two page spread and you're supposed to read both pages at the same time and like it was chopped up it's it was a mess so like by the time I got to the end I was like I, I kind of wish I had physical copies to read it would the it would have made the flow a little bit better but once I realized what I was doing then I just kind of went back and reread pages yeah um so the character design artistic character design Erica Erica is, is funny is, looking man <laughs> yeah so i so there's like she has this kind of like bangs that cover like one eye yeah and then the other eye is like real popping yeah and i'm not overly keen on that like i've got to say i wasn't well but all of the hunters the big, have that big bulging eye they got well yeah they got unique eyes but it's just they yeah. don't all have bulging a bulging eye so yeah um i wasn't overly keen on the bulging eye so yeah. i'm not sure what the whether that was a story or an art choice to have yeah, well she's sort of like this... we said she's a very unique looking character yeah so um but i think the art as well adds quite unique sort of atmosphere to the book like i i definitely think you know when it's you know we talk about things like the summer party but also unfortunately some of the more grotesque moments like the body getting ripped in half mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the art does do a good job of showing that to you and, yeah. and like really sort of pulling you into that world. Uh, and then, you know, some of the lighter moments, which are few and far between, but I just like, I think I know what you mean, like by the ugly art type thing. It's, you know, the sketching's quite, it's rough yeah. and it's raw, um, but it's just so detailed as well and pulls you in. Yeah. And, and I think, I don't know, like I just, I love it all. And um, I love the fact that, you know, you know you've got these such unique sort of moments like we talked about the mask but the teeth are so detailed on the masks mm -hmm. and and um and yeah, they all have different patterns for each mask yeah yeah so um okay let's talk about the end of of the of this story that we've read so there's kind of two endings there's the ending at issue 15 uh which we kind of talked about already and then there is the actual ending where Erica is kind of passed her first test and then it rolls on. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they ended leaving Wisconsin fairly well. I yes. think they did a really good job of wrapping that up. I don't 
like we said, I don't see a need to go back to Wisconsin. Right. And that's done. I'd be more than happy to say goodbye to James. Don't feel there's a need yeah. to see him again. He was great, um, but he served his purpose. Yeah. I think Tommy, I'd be open for a return as long as He's it was done. I, I don't want it to be wasted though. Like it needs to be a good story. I like, think it's going to have to be some kind of something where the house of slaughter, if Erica doesn't bring him in, the house of slaughter will go and get him. Mm. I, I don't uh, think maybe, Tommy is going to stay in Archer's peak. Maybe that's our red masks. Maybe they do something in the prison system, make him disappear. Like not necessarily kill him off, but just remove him from the system. Cause they're that, that clever. So, yeah. or the blue uh, mask, like remove sorry, him from mask, existence. Yeah. yeah. So the blue mask, that's what I meant, actually. Sorry, the blue mask. But um, so issue 20 ends. There's no more solicited um for the time being. But we do have as of the 27th of October, the House of Slaughter, which uh-huh. is on the surface a prequel around Aaron. Um, unfortunately, we know Aaron dies. So yeah, which is such a bummer because like you don't get any when Aaron is introduced in the first 15 issues, like there's no likability to no. that version of Aaron that we see I didn't care the that they killed day. him off yeah yeah I didn't care either but when you read issues 16 through 20 it is really hard not to like Aaron so then it kind of puts you in this state where you're just like well shit like I didn't like current Aaron but I definitely like past Aaron but at this point like why do I need to know more about past Aaron because I already know he dies Mm. I do hate it when they do things like that. They kill someone off and then they realize it's a mistake and then they go back and they want to flesh that character out. It's like, no, but you, you know, you, you had your chance and you yeah. killed him off. Oh, look, I haven't said that. I'm going to read The House of Slaughter. So, of course. Like, yeah. I, I, I want and to I'm going to watch about... the Netflix series too, for sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. In three so... years. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever that comes out. Yeah, boy. whenever that comes out. So, I, I'll read House of Slaughter. So, from what I heard on the grapevine, is that House of Slaughter is potentially a six-issue series and then something's killing the children will return. Now, let's be honest, if you take the same thing that happened with something's killing the children, if House of Slaughter is as popular as something's killing the children, I could foresee them both carrying on. So in what who knows in what mechanism that will be. Yeah. Um, but there will I can see there'd be more beyond six issues. Yeah. So, so how it's difficult to say this, but how would you rate 20 issues? So how would you rate the whole series so far? Oh, Out of five. Is it even fair to do that? Can Actually, I let's rate do that. one through 15? Yeah, okay. I'll tell you what, let's break it down. Let's okay. say one through 15, yeah. story, story and art, and then and then I mean the art is kind of the same throughout, but yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would give one through fifteen. Four and a half overall, mm. and sixteen through twenty. Um, I give that a four and a half as well. Okay, well, same yeah. overall. I, I do you know what I will go with your four and a half for one to fifteen. Um, but then for issues sixteen to twenty, I'm going to give that a five, like out of five. Okay, yeah. So I almost gave uh, it a five, almost. But but I think that issue 16 to 20 only really gets five out of five because of the structure and either if it had come before issue yeah. one yeah i probably may not have carried on reading this because it wouldn't have worked i don't think right so but anyway that, that was a good unpacking of 20 issues it's a long yeah. episode i think but all i can say hopefully is we filled up with it, some good information for you yeah if you're not ready go go and read this like it's worth so. a read it's a little violent uh, 
there are dead children. If that is a thing that bothers you, then you are warned. Well, well, it should bother you. Like, this yeah. is no question. It should bother you. But if you can read it and understand that it's just a story, um, yeah. go and if, read it. If That's it like... wasn't as graphic with the kids, I can't, like, I don't know what the deal is. Like, I don't care about dead adults, but like, dead kids is bothersome. If it had just been like random disembodied parts, both of these arcs would have gotten a five for me. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, dead kids, man, dead babies, not a fan. So next episode <laughs> we've got packed house so oh, yeah. we've got state Stephen fox is finally back on the he pod. has been on vacation for far too long we're pulling him out steven is coming back he doesn't we, have a choice we, look what happened was we locked him in the fridge and then we forgot and like, our bad uh, yeah it was <laughs> it was one of those walk-in fridges oh, and yeah. then the other the other day jasmine was downstairs um yeah. in in what uh, is this texas. fridge doing here oh right steven and sorry she was she was in the texas house of slaughter um room and then realized there was a big walk-in fridge steven's yeah. come out um he's Bring all right we, we we defrosted him he's good he's fine. no steven's got... were harmed in the filming of this episode yeah <laughs> uh we're also joined by tom from two brothers at Warcaller. we guested on their podcast quite a few months ago and we'll be diving into i don't know, I even know like what we're gonna do here but it's gonna be venom let there be carnage and i'm sure this review will be carnage but we're gonna give it a go so listen man there are tater tots and chocolate i am all for it bring it on and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our 10th Late to the Party Book Club episode was Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. That episode marks our one-year anniversary of book club, so please be sure to check it out as we do discuss some of our favorites from the past year. Um, that episode dropped mid-September. For our next book club, we're going to be reviewing Batman, The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. You can follow us, Geeks Unleashed, everywhere. Social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can give us a coffee on Ko-Fi. Uh, and you can, you can also, if you want to, you can join our Patreon as well. And we've released our new Patreon exclusive episode, Geeks Unleashed Deep Cuts. And this month, October, we are kicking off with the first of the Scream franchise. Yes. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. So you can review us, by the way, on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. So please do so. Thank you. Have a good week. Good journey. (laughs) 